Gonna change up a little bit this week on the tax platform. And if you haven't subscribed to the tax platform, the number's right here. You gotta do it. I put it out there. I said, first three people that get at me, let's chop it up. So I have three people from the tax platform asking me all kinds of questions, all the secrets. They're out there for everybody. Check it out. I hope you like it. Like, subscribe, and leave a comment. All right, we are going live. We are live. What's going on, everybody? Charles Marab, a.k.a. The Handsome Home Buyer, a.k.a. Pa Captain Permit, a.k.a. Mark. You know the deal. El Judio. Maravilloso. We got a banging podcast this evening. We're on StreamYard. Got three dynamite people that I met off the text platform. If you are not on the text platform, you should be on the text platform. Let's do this banner thing. I'm going to figure out how to do it right now. What is the text platform phone number? It's 516-871-3511. Scroll across the bottom. Hit it. Yes. All right. Who says I'm not technologically savvy? Text platform is free. Doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one engagement with people, like these three fine people, which we're about to do. We put out some unique content every week. We're going to start doing that in about a week, specifically for text platform people. If you have any questions about investing or anything, you can hit me up. Oh, really? You can't hear me? Hello, 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 hello? Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, everybody can hear me. Akeem's throwing me off. Rebecca, can you hear me? All right, we're in. All right, with, without further ado, let's bring in our three guests. You guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Everybody hears yeah. me. Akeem, you hear me? I don't know. It's not me, it's Akeem. All right, Akeem is working that on his end. So, Rebecca, Joe, Akeem, again, thank you guys very much for participating in the text platform. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to chopping it up with you guys and uh, talking real estate. Um, I love the fact that everybody's on the move, but they're, they're, they're on their hustle. And Joe is on his way to an impromptu funeral, but he's like, we're doing this. I, I, I don't know where Akeem is. He actually looks like he's physically driving. Rebecca's got it together. It appears so, but that's not true. <laughs> she, she's got she's got in-depth questions, and she is ready to rock. So, what I'd appreciate you guys doing first: first Rebecca, then Joe, then Akeem. Give like the thirty-second kind of overview intro of who you are and what you do, and what you're looking to accomplish in real estate. That I don't know what happened. My to turn. Akeem. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Akeem right now, but you. Uh, you do it, Rebecca. Give us the 30-second intro of who you are, what you do, and what you're looking to get out of real estate. My name's Rebecca. I'm actually on the financing end of real estate. I met you a few years ago. Just really like your vibe, your attitude, your state of mind. So I just Thank like you. to surround myself around like-minded people. So that's kind of why I responded to the text. I wanted to pick your brain some more, just being greedy, I guess, per se. But I've been in the mortgage business for 20 years. I've watched this business go from one side to another. Um, so for me, I just like to pick people's brains who are doing well and, um, are really doing their thing. You can learn something from everyone. So cool. that's really my motive on jumping on this platform to chat with you. Cool. Welcome. Welcome. Joe. Yeah. So, um, I'm 25. I bought my first house at 18 with a VA loan, made like 20 grand. Um, and then now I have, I just flipped a house in Tennessee, just sold two days ago. Um, and then I have another one coming on the contract next week 
and the ultimate game plan is to do triple net like commercial. Yeah, which is awesome. I actually just uh, I just got an LOI on a triple net commercial deal with Roy Rogers uh, last week, so I'm super pumped up about that. So if you want to talk about that stuff, I know about everything uh, in that space. Akeem, awesome. give us the 30-second intro of who you are, what you do, and what you're looking to get out of real estate. All right. So hi, everyone. My name is Akeem. Um, right now, I'm a credit analyst for a small portfolio bank. Um, right now, I'm trying to get into wholesaling. Haven't done any deals as yet. I'm just looking to like get started. I've been at it for like a couple of months. I would like say six to around six months. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to learn more. I'm happy for the information you provide. So I'm just trying to learn some more. That's what's up. Perfect. So we're going to kind of do like a, um, like a 30 minute round Robin. We'll start with Rebecca ladies first. We'll go down to Joe and then Akeem. Everybody ask sure. a question. We'll, we'll go through it. Nothing off limits, real estate, whatever, whatever it is. I am happy to talk about it and uh, give you guys whatever information I, I, I have. So Rebecca lead off with the first question. All right. So I think for those who don't really know you and the background who are not keeping up to date on your platform, because you do share a lot and I think that's great that you're consistent with that. That's not easy to do. But what was the moment that you realized real estate development was for you? Was it a natural talent? Um, did you have the skills naturally to propel forward and continue to educate yourself? Or was this a kinesthetic process that you just kind of got into it and you kept wanting more? Um, I think everyone thinks they're an investor, right? And maybe everyone can be an investor. I don't know the right answer, but you seem to have the formula right. So I would love to hear your point of view. No, thank you. So, um, uh, you know, to not dive too deep into it, like I was a problem kid. I have ADHD really bad. Like they never thought I was even going to graduate high school. Like I barely got out of it. They tried to leave me back in first grade. They tried to put me on medication when I was younger and put me on Ritalin, but I used to throw it down the drain when people weren't watching. Uh, ultimately I didn't really want to go to college, but I went because I mean, what else do you do? I didn't want to get a real job. So I was trying to surf as much as possible. So I went to college. Um, when I got out, my father owned a Mako, like, uh Oh, better get Mako in Brooklyn. And he said, listen, I found one that was closed down. That was ready to go in Hempstead. And he said, I'll loan you $50,000, which is like nothing to open up a business like that you're going to regret it if you don't do it. So fear of regret being the biggest motivator, I did it, but I hated it. Um, and then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I was like, I want to be a professional investor. But to your point, it's like, what does that mean? So I researched stocks and I realized that that wasn't really my personality. And ultimately, I, um, I found a mentor in Carl Chavon and started doing real estate. But I think you really have to kind of listen to, to what it is that you're good at. Like I have a team of you know 40 people behind me I love investing because that's the way I can be creative. It's chaotic and I need to be in like a chaotic. I only function really well in chaos. So I think a lot of it is really about like understanding your personality, what gets you excited, what are you good at? So I'm good at building relationships with people uh, that bring opportunity to me, raising money and everything else I have people that do it for me at this point. So I'm really doing exactly what I love, which is like getting this kind of adrenaline high off of, you know, new deals, but, um, it's a process and it, and it takes time. And I didn't know there was a point in time where I was like shaking my mentor, Carl, like, do I want to do this? Cause I think a lot of people can identify with this. You get to a certain point where you feel like you're getting old, even though you're not. 
and you want to jump into something and you know that if you're going to jump into it, it's going to take three, four, five years to get good at it. And you don't want to waste time on something that's not going to be big. So you're like, you, you're at a crossroads in your life. Yeah. And, um, the, at the point where I realized it was, it was really for me was proof of concept when we sold the first flip house, um, my ex-wife and I like, I, you know, I was, I said I was going to buy it for X. I was going to renovate it for Y and I was going to sell it for Z. And literally the numbers came in on the head across the board. And when that <laughs> happened, I was like, that's it. Like, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I'm like, that's it. Like, this is, this is yeah, my a sign from God. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is my yeah. calling. And I just, I just never looked back. I just blew up. I put the Mako up for sale. I sold that thing. <laughs> I did 11 houses the first year, 40 houses the second year, 67 houses the next year. Like that's wow. it. I just, we just blew up. Um, so I hope that answers So funny because you literally just answered three questions of mine all in that one answer. <laughs> it was one about your mentorship, the, who was your mentor and those type of things. And what are the lessons you learned when you answered that? And what were your, ad, your adversities? So you just nailed that too. I, I said, he seems perfect. Any girl that's ever dated me will tell you and my mother as well, that I'm far from perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, what I mean by that is that um, it's clear you work very hard and it, your yes. adversities don't really show. I'm sure you share, but I think the other things shine so bright and that's nothing wrong with that. But you wonder for those who are struggling with ADHD, things like that, who have a hard time in school, like somebody like you have made it to the other side and their striving is such the biggest motivation. So I personally wanted to hear more of what was that your path in any way or just were you one of those who just killed it all the time, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, to touch on that real briefly and then I'll jump to, to Joe. I, um, I have a very addictive personality. Like I come from a family with a background of uh, actually gamblers. So I don't gamble or do Whoa. anything that's bad because I know that I have an addictive personality. So, you know, I'm addicted to work, which is an addiction and isn't necessarily good, but, um, I love it so much that I just work all the time. And obviously the more effort you put towards something, the better you're going to be at it. But, um, yeah, no, listen, there's adversity in here every day, but I, I really, I like the process of dealing with that. It's like, uh, it's just a big, it's just a big game to me. But, um, Joe, what do you got, Hi. man? Thank you, Rebecca. You're done? Okay. Um, so I guess my first question is kind of with construction. I'm kind of at the point where I'm able to kind of like a cosmetic, like lipstick remodel. I can really price that out pretty good. Okay. Like the dollar. I want to get into more stuff that's like maybe it had flood or like a burn. How okay. do you get into that, like knowing what the price point's going to be without having contractors come and then end up losing the deal because you had to wait a week for contractors? You know what I'm saying? Like, So this is what I did from the beginning. At the beginning, what I did was during my educational process with Carl, I worked with different contractors. So I would, even if I had to, I would pay contractors to walk through houses with me to get current pricing. There's literature out there, believe it or not, there's these different books. I forgot the name, but they every year these different publications come out and tell you what it costs to do certain things. So if I'm you and I'm really looking to get into it, I say to myself, okay, let me reach out to uh, a handful of, uh, of roofers and say, hey, listen, like I need a price per square foot price. Even if you have to pay them a couple hundred bucks for like estimates and things, even if it costs you like $2,000 to talk to um, roofers, siding people, all that, just to get a general idea about what something costs, 
on both a square foot basis, an entire house basis, and you know, just like an individual piece basis. What I also did when I first got into this is I went to Home Depot and I copied down the SKU numbers for every single item in the damn store and the pricing that goes along with it. And I broke it out into phases so that A, I would understand the pricing and B, we can have material dropped in waves. We, my my uh, foreman would just check off the boxes. I'd email it over to the pro desk and they would drop it. So even if you, even if you have to pay for that education, it's really, 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 really important. And then once you get a lot of data, like once you start doing these actual jobs, you'll be able to break it down to a price per square foot type of thing or just like, you know, a roof. Cause you're gonna, like I do the same house over and over and over and over again, right? How many different houses are there on Long Island? So eventually you just get it wired and you know, like to the dollar, you know, then you can go and build spreadsheets and get real crazy and figure out like, you know, linear per linear foot of cabinets and stuff like that. Like there's guys that are super analytical like that. I, I am not, I, uh, I have like a pretty decent idea about what it's going to cost based on all the houses I've done. And, and we go and listen, like it's very rare that we're right on the dot. You know, when you're estimating construction on a rehab, they say that you should budget for like 20% Oh shit money. But most of the time, if you're budgeting for 20% oh shit money, you're not going to get the deal. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit of educate as much as you can, make sure your margins aren't too slim, grab your balls and jump. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, so kind of just kind of feel it out and like do it multiple times, and I'll end like end up learning how much it costs per square foot and like. Well, yeah, basically speak to people in the industry. Speak yeah. to well, it depends on how you're gonna go. If you're gonna go the subcontractor route, you're gonna go the general contractor, That's, it's different. I've, I've been subbing everything out. So like I don't even know who I would call to like remove a wall. Because usually I'll just call a paint guy, a floor guy, you know, like that type of stuff. Oh, perfect. Well, it's also depends on the volume. So once you start doing like let's say 10 houses a year, you can open a construction company, have a crew of four guys that basically do almost everything and okay. be running that full time, which is what I did. But in the interim, you know, you call up a couple of roofers and say, hey, listen, like I'm willing to pay you for an estimate, 200 bucks, 250 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. Plus, you're going to get the opportunity to work with me. I'm going to take over Tennessee, man. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to miss out on this. So once you do that, you'll start to understand like, okay, an average size roof is $6,000 here. Okay. You know, an average ranch here to sheetrock it is $8,000. And you'll put it all together and you'll give yourself a little bit of cushion and you'll get into the deal. And when you get into the deal, you'll get the real costs and then you'll refine it for the next house. And then you're off and running. Okay, cool. And that kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask, when do you start setting up like um, internal companies to support the flip company? Like, is it, you kind of just like, so this year I should probably do about 10 to 12 deals. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it's like too early to start or. If well, I'm like so when you say internal. Fast, when you say internal companies, what do you mean? Like how I have construction company? Yeah, like vertically management. integrated, I guess. Like. So here's the thing. Like, I don't want to be vertically integrated, bro. The only reason why I'm vertically integrated is because I can't get anybody to, to do anything out here. Yeah. That's the <laughs> problem. And our, our volume is so heavy that there's not that many people that nobody can handle it. So after exhausting every architect and expediter on Long Island, I had to open my own permit business because they all sucked and they robbed me and they just were terrible. Um, <laughs> You know, after now, I after not wanting to pay property managers ten percent to do a shitty job, I have over a hundred rental properties. I open up my own property management company, and so on and so forth. My 
Contractors are the worst, but if you can find a good GC or good subcontractors, do that because you don't want to have to manage this shit. Like I have 7,500 square feet behind me that I really don't want to have, but I don't yeah, have sucks. a choice. <laughs> um, Akeem, what do you got? All right. So my question is about like um, the marketing. So for someone who's just starting out, right? Yeah. Um, like, what would you like? What you advise them to get? Like, you know, to get deals. Would you say cold calling? You know, text blasting. Um, I, I watch a lot of your, you know, your videos, your real estate vlogs and stuff. The info vlogs, very informative, by the way. Thank um, you. But I, I know you, 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 you go very hard on like resources and like you know, you know, knowing people. But is that the way that you like inform someone who's just starting out to to do, like to get, you know, to get deals and stuff? So it's a couple different things, right, on the wholesaling thing. And let's let me tell you something. If I could snap my fingers and turn my operation into a wholesale operation that then just buys rentals, I would do that because pushing paper is awesome. You could make close to, if not more money than I am, you know, actually putting in the work and taking all the risk, just selling paper. But there's a couple of, of, of nuances to that. So A, you need the education to really understand what I do because you can't accurately make offers if to Joe's point, you don't understand construction, if you don't understand what a house is worth when it's renovated, and if you don't understand what I'm looking to make and what my carrying costs and costs of capital are. So I would like you to train with a mentor or learn essentially how to flip houses in theory without actually doing them so that you can then make offers that make sense. Yeah, so that, that's, makes sense. that makes sense. That's one. The second part of the marketing is this. The marketing really all depends on how much money you have and how much time you have, right? So if you tell me, you listen, I want to be a wholesaler. I have a bankroll of 25,000 and I want to start advertising. It's different. A hundred thousand different. No money is different. So that's the thing. They all work. It's just a matter of how much time you have and how much money you have. So for me, if I look at the overall majority where my deals come from, my deals come via a network. So I build a network of realtors, wholesalers, all kinds of people that provide the, over, the lion's share of my deals. I also do TV, radio. I have a full-time SEO guy and staff. I, I have a four-person camera crew and editing social media staff. Like We do everything, um, but all that stuff costs money. Now, networking is free and it costs time. Cold calling, if you're cold calling, very effective. Driving for dollars and then cold calling, very effective. Mailers, effective, but very expensive. They do have a conversion rate that's consistent, but it's extremely low. So all these things work. It's just a matter of how much time you have and how much money you have. Okay. Does yeah, that, make, that sense? makes sense? That makes sense. That does make sense. Thank you. But to be a good wholesaler, first thing I want you to do is spend the six to 12 months understanding what investors look for in deals, understanding the market and understanding every aspect of that equation. I have a bunch of videos on, you know, figuring out your maximum allowable offer. Yeah. Really understand that. Cause when you understand that, then you're going to be making, cause it's not like, this isn't like Tennessee where <laughs> you don't yeah. have to put up a deposit or you're putting up like $300. Like <laughs> yeah. attorneys in New York want real money down. Yeah. So the guys that wholesale in New York are prepared to do the deal if they can't find a buyer and they they feel comfortable with the deal at that number. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, so let's go to Rebecca. Rebecca, we're back. <laughs> Hi. They had some of the questions I had curiosities on. Um, 
I'm going to throw a very amateur thing out here. <laughs> this is for those who do not do research and maybe find themselves in a predicament where they purchase something that is, you can't do anything with, let's say a plot of land. Um, I don't know if I've ever been in that sort of situation. What are some creative things that you can do if you find yourself in those circumstances? And may I add, that's not me. It's someone I know very well. Okay. Who picked up so a few pieces of land to only to find out there's nothing you can do with them. They can't build on them. Wow. So yeah. this kind of goes back to the same question when people say to me, like, you know, I have, how do you know whether you're going to flip the house you buy or rent the house you buy, or I have this house, should I flip it or rent it? You should never be in that situation. Like the problem with people is, is like people come to me and they say, Charles, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, I'll tell you how to do it. And they get all excited. And I'm like, you're going to train with a man named Carl Chavon for like three years or at least a year. And you're going to work seven days a week. And then you're going to go out and you're going to do it. And they look at me like, you know, I just kicked the cat. But you have to like, you have to spend time getting educated and learning about what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a situation like your friend. So, you know, where is the, your friend has to be educated to the point where he or she knows exactly what's going to happen with that land or what the worst case scenario is. And then there might be potential upside. Where's the land? Smithtown, one's in Bayshore. What are they landlocked? Um, not big enough. Uh, angry neighbors type of situation. Um, you know what? In the past, this method and approach has worked for them. But let's be honest. Everybody's wiser now. Everybody's woke. Everybody's chasing the same thing. The opportunity is very slim, right? So yeah. you find yourself in a position of, well, this is on the market. Let me see what I can do with it. You know, it worked out for me this time and that time. Well, not this yeah. time around. And it's funny. I racked my brain like, oh, what about tiny home? Well, then I looked into it. I'm like, New York is yeah, the worst can't do it. for that. There's no such thing as tiny homes. I'm like, what do you do when you find yourself? But it sat on the market for a reason. And that was my answer when they were prospecting. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's there for a reason. Trust me, it's a problem. Or it's zone R or, you know, things like that, you know? So um, just, just to put it in perspective, I have not purchased a property that was listed on the market in over four years because everything that's on the market doesn't make any kind of sense. That's not to right. say like you couldn't sit there and like when I first got into this, I would be on MLS all day, every day, getting the yeah. updates, running out the door. Yeah, you could scratch together some deals if you're really hustling like that hard. But um, most of the time there, the deals aren't really there. The only thing yeah. you can do with land in Suffolk that's not buildable is you can sell it for, for credits, like for sewer credits. So, you know, let's say I have a piece of property in Islip or Bayshore or Smithtown that's on cesspool that it meets zoning code. Whereas let's say it has to be 75 by a hundred and I could build there. The problem is there was never a house there before, but the health department requires a minimum of 20,000 square feet to build a house when you have a cesspool. So what people do is like, if I meet zoning, but I don't meet septic, I can buy credits. So I could go buy Pine Barrens credits, or I could purchase a piece of land and then basically give that to the county and strip it of its development rights that will then apply to, um, to that property that I'm trying to build. And, you know, one credit, which is 20,000 square feet, is uh, it sells for between like, if you go to the Pine Barrens, it's like 75,000. Or if somebody if wants to sell you a piece of land for that 20,000 square feet, it's like anywhere from like 35 to like $60,000. So depending on the size of these things and how they put them together, they could possibly sell them for credits. 
Um, otherwise, they just did you say these credits were sold to, by the town? Is that what you said? I'm sorry. No. So like you could go to the you could go if you Google Pine Barrens credits, you can mm -hmm. buy those. Those that's the easiest way. But you'll Got see it. properties listed on MLS where like not buildable, only good for credits. Got it. And then you could sell those things to a developer like myself, who is going to use it in order to develop a piece of property that's under 20,000 square feet for health department approval. Makes sense. All right. Uh, Joe, we're back to you. Yeah. So um, sub two, I think I texted you like two weeks ago about this, but why would you like, why would someone sell you like with sub two instead of just buying out the loan? Does that make sense? Or so why would some why would somebody sell to me subject to? So yeah, there's like certain scenarios where I can like target someone where I could like, okay, this guy's more likely to be sub two than this guy. So I'll okay. target him for stuff like that. So I do a lot of subject to deals, but the subject to deals I do are like either development deals or subdivision deals or things like that. I do subject to deals when one of two things is going on. It's not guaranteed that I'm going to get what I want. And two, it's going to take me a long time. And I don't want to close on the property and sit on it. So like, I'll just give you an example of a handful of subject to deals I'm doing now. I did two pieces of property where I'm building assisted living facilities. Um, and I got it subject to getting a variance to build four stories and 138 beds in Farmingdale, which I got. There was one in Oceanside where it was subject to getting the approval to rezone the property from residential to commercial, which I didn't get. And it cost me $175,000 to not get it, but I was going to pay 4 million bucks for the property. So I wasn't going to go spend 4 million bucks on the property if it wasn't worth 4 million if I didn't get the approval. Uh, I just did one on a gas station subject to a bunch of things, subject to environmental and also subject to getting permits to build. Uh, that's where the Roy Rogers is going. Uh, I'm doing a couple with um, with houses. So I have a, uh, a lot where I'm not guaranteed I can get a certain amount of houses. So it's subject to getting the approvals to build X amount of homes. And it's I'm paying X amount of dollars per lot that I get. So if I get 10, it's one price. If I get eight, it's another price. If I get 12, it's another price. So this just gives me the flexibility and the sellers are comfortable with it because A, they realize if they want to get top dollar, they have to do it that way because there's too much risk. Or they might be in a situation where they have a functioning business or something like that and they themselves need time to wind down before they go. Okay, that makes sense. Akeem, what do you got? All right, just a, just a, you, you touched on it briefly, but it's about a variance. So I, I was um, I was marketing to someone in, the, um, in Freeport and it was a pretty big lot. I think it was like over 10,000 square feet. And he said he was willing to, um, you know, get a variance for the back portion of the, um, of the lot. So, you know, you could like maybe divide up the land and probably, you know, sell it. So he's willing to sell me the, that plot of land, but I wasn't able to get any information about it. So I'm just wondering, is that something doable? Is that something like you would do for the, um, like for a variance on that? So variants are different than like subdivisions. They're a bunch of different things. What a variance is, is variance just needs means relief. You're asking for relief. So when you have zoning, you have the government essentially sets up zoning, which is rules that govern how land can be used in different areas. And they change per township and per areas and townships. It tells you, you know, what size lot you have to have, the setbacks for the house, what types of businesses can be there. It sets restrictions based on how the municipality wants the, the master plan for the area to be. So 
if you have a, it depends on what the variance is. Like if you're building something from scratch and you need a variance because the lot is too small or you need a 25 rear yard setback and you don't have mm. it, you know, it could be that you already have an existing issue that needs relief or you want to build something that requires relief. So you need permission beforehand. Uh, I would need to know more information about what it is specifically, but um, depending on what it is, you would structure the deal either subject to, or you would pass on the deal or whatever, because it's important to know okay. that variance, right, no problem. Thank you. variances aren't something that are guaranteed. You know, you can go for a variance and they can turn you down. You, they could turn you down and tell you to rip yeah. the deck off the back of your house, rip, tear down your garage, do whatever. So um, you have to be really careful with that. All right. No All problem. Right. Thanks. Uh, Rebecca, we're back to you. Wow, that was quick. I'm not sure how much time, but um, I think to lighten it up, let's say Gary V. How close do you think you are <laughs> with Gary V? Has he touched base? Has anybody? Uh, that's a good question. Him? Like, what's going on? Uh, I, I don't even know if Gary V knows I exist. I mean, probably I'm probably a lot farther away than I would like to be, but. I'm enjoying the process of going through that. I am um, too. I hope it happens for you. I think, he, is, I think he sees it. He does. His, I, I his feel people, like you do. His people <laughs> like it sometimes. Like oh. D-Rock will like it. Um, it's mostly D-Rock. Like D-Rock will like it. So like I know that he's seeing it. Um, and just A, knowing Gary Vee, he, he, he's going to make you go through the process of however long it takes, which I kind of exactly. like because because it's funny yeah, because it shouldn't come easy. Yeah, people A it shouldn't come easy. I don't expect it to. B, it ended up turning into an interesting marketing thing for me which I wasn't expecting because when I run into people that I don't know, they're like, "Yo, what's up with Gary Vee, man? Like, is he going to do this Get out of here or what?" <laughs> like, it's just it's cool to see that the real estate community is like rallying for me. I agree. I yeah. am too. That's I'm true. Like, is this truly a I think goal he's just and why? Quick. Yeah, no, no. It's and really like it's funny because I'll think of some cool questions to ask him for things I want to know, but I feel like I've listened to so much of his stuff that I know him so well that like I know what he's going to say, but I think the bigger mission is to show everybody in the community that follows me just how attainable any crazy goal is. I agree. That's the sense of what That's I true. get from you, That's too. True. I like yeah. it. Thank you. Joe. You're welcome. Um, I think that was all my questions. <laughs> That's it? Uh, actually, I got one. Okay, so have you ever used the builder instead of like doing it all yourself, where you kind of just said, "Here, take the reins and you do it"? Or yeah, it was a it was a fucking nightmare. Okay, <laughs> it was a fucking nightmare, dude. I mean, listen, that's not to say contractors are the hardest part of this business. Money's yeah. the easiest part of the oh, business. Oh yeah, money's so easy. <laughs> contractors are a freaking nightmare, man. It's really, really, really difficult. If you're blessed to find a good one, that's great. Uh, I have amazing subcontractors, but you know the carrying costs on properties when you're borrowing private money is so expensive that you don't have time to like wait around. You got to move, and the only way to move is to really control the process. Uh, so if you're in a place where you can find good subcontractors, uh, good contractors, GCs, then great, because it's better to pay them a little bit more and not have the overhead on you and also like have to manage it. The managing it part is the most annoying part because it takes away like brain power from other things that you should be focusing on, like getting deals or whatever. So, um, you know, that's really the thing. Akeem. 
Akeem, you're up. Oh, I thought, um, no, I'm I good. I thought you I'm were good. frozen. <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought you were frozen <laughs> for a second, too. <laughs> Me, too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good. You answered all my questions. Most of my questions, I, 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 I can watch your vlogs and really get them. You know, yeah, so but I'm, I'm here. So if you have one, there's no stupid questions, you know, ask me. Well, all right. So um, say, for instance, um, you know, I, I looked at, um, I think I was looking at your one of your, your videos and you said there's certain towns because I'm, I'm trying to wholesaling also Nassau County. You were saying certain towns are very difficult. So is, are, is there a certain town that you would, you know, you say to stay away from if you're trying to wholesale there? It's kind of, it'll be like difficult or anything? No, not necessarily. I mean... I don't think there's like any towns that are better or worse or easier than others. You know, I think you really need to put together like a comprehensive, I think every business and listen, I hate doing this shit, but like I do it now and it's actually very important is, uh, is, is write a business plan. And the reason why you want to write a business plan is because it really helps you organize your thoughts. It, you know, it makes you kind of think through the business that you're going into because maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. You know, maybe you'll go in a different direction but um, it's this constantly evolving thing. So that's what I would do. And part of the business plan is obviously a marketing strategy and you lay out the marketing strategy. Um, in general, I, I take a very broad approach. Once you understand how to value properties and all that, you can apply it anywhere across Long Island. And that's really like the best thing to do to, um, you know, to just kind of- It would be first time home buyer houses, right? Like not like not like really expensive houses, um. But it would be for like first time home buy house. I think I saw like a, a a post you made today where like the um, like I think the uh the asking was like eight hundred sixty nine thousand. Would that be like a first time home buyer house in in that scenario? So a first time home buyer house in Nassau County is a house that sells for like six fifty or less, and in Suffolk it's like five fifty or less. So okay, okay. This is this is kind of an experimentation process for you because you you will find your niche like. First time home buyer houses in like, you know, the Merrick, the Belmore, the CIs, that kind of stuff. It's a very, very, very competitive market. But, and you have to do a lot of deals normally because the spreads aren't really there. But you might find that, you know what, like you found a niche in, I don't know, Mutton Town or, you know, the Hamptons or something or in like a higher end market where people are buying these houses at big money, knocking them down and building like crazy mansions for three, four, five, eight, ten million dollars. And you're able to make, you know, 50, 100, $200,000 on a wholesale because you've kind of like cracked the code of yeah. wow. seeing these houses. Like, and the market also changes a lot back and forth. So that's why you have to really be in it and reviewing all different markets because as it changes, you only have windows of opportunity. Like I'll give you an example. In a place like Massapequa, Massapequa Park, it's very hard to buy a house and just do a gut renovated flip because I'm going to pay more money for that house to either knock it down and build a new house or put a dormer on it. We're doing three dormers in, in Massapequa Park. Same thing with Levittown. Like I lost out on a Levitt Cape, like a tiny little Levitt Cape the other day, a thousand square foot, total piece of shit needed to get knocked down. Some guy paid over $400,000 for this thing because he's going to knock it down and build a house that he thinks he can sell for almost a million bucks. Now, that house got renovated. Maybe it's worth $500,000. You can't pay for $400,000 for a house that'll get renovated and sell for five hundred. But that market moved. Like, And if you're really in tune yeah. with the market, as the market's changing, you could get those opportunities and scoop them up and then sell them to builders. But once the market shifts totally, 
you have to look for the next next thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So once you. you understand like how to value properties and the equation of how to make proper offers, it's going to open your mind up to a lot more opportunity than you um, than you know. All right, no problem. Thank you. So yeah, so I, I'll definitely work on that. Yeah. Cool. And obviously, listen, you know, you can hit me up anytime. I um, the numbers are already always out there. I I welcome anything. I mean, the number's there for a reason. I want you guys to use it, so don't feel bad about you know reaching out. Uh, Rebecca. Yes. So since I'm on the finance end, I deal a lot with buyers. I know you're on the development. You're an investor, but New York's crazy price, as many other states are. My heart goes out to these first-time home buyers, affordability-wise. Yep. Do you see any trending opportunities for affordability for New York and buyers? It is a it is a dear sensitive spot to me. I I wonder myself um, what the solution is. Um, yeah, it's it's really a big problem, and and here's the messed up part, like. So I do a ton of rentals with like different programs, Section 8, CDC, VAs. I, uh, I love affordable housing and everybody loves the idea of affordable housing. They just don't want it in their neighborhood. So it sucks. It's, it's like when I was first doing that temple deal, the one that I told you for the uh, in Oceanside, the first thing I wanted to do was build, um, do a LIHTC deal, a low income housing tax credit deal for senior yeah. citizens that were earning between... 37 and $52,000 a year. And when I suggested that to the community, cause I'm like, we need this, like we need this bad. They looked yeah. at me, they looked at me like I was selling children into sex slavery. Like I was the <laughs> worst person on the planet. And they're like, no, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just very difficult. A, the land is very, very, very expensive here. Correct. And people don't want affordable housing, which is, fucked up because they really don't understand it. They think that there's going to be like gang wars and shootouts in the street where these affordable housing buildings are beautiful and you would never, ever know. Um, what really needs to happen is the government needs to take the initiative locally and unlock some of the government owned land that they have and then issue RFPs to different developers like myself and yeah. encourage affordable housing because it, it is, it's badly needed. Like these people don't understand. It's like, so you, don't badly. you don't want affordable housing, but like, who's going to work in the deli when you go to get a sandwich? Because these people don't have any place to live. Correct. And affordability in New York is not even only just the people making the 30 it's you're at 75,000 income. You're still not getting something unless you got a strong down payment. And that's sad. Um, it's funny. I, I did this like I guess study group with Newsday a few years back prior to the pandemic and this topic came up and some investors came in and said, well, they should take the malls and build homes on top of them pods. And I was like, is this really the answer? Is this where people are supposed to live? I'm like, can we come up with any better creative ideas? I was just curious of your intake. It's not your problem or next to mine, but somebody will think of something creative, I'm sure, right? Well it's not even, it's not a matter of creativity. It's a matter of regulation. It's a matter of mm -hmm. regulation and land prices. So it's like a lot of times the equation just doesn't work. Like to do truly affordable housing, like, are you familiar with LIHTC deals? What those are? So, no, is this the whole zombie house thing? <laughs> no. So, 
LIHTC means low income housing tax credit. So oh, there okay. are developers who get property either free or very cheap from the government. And what happens is the um, there's certain businesses like banks that are mandated to give back in their community. Um, or like Geico is a very big purchaser of tax credits because Geico has to, let's say Geico has to pay all their tax to the government off of projected revenue at the beginning of the year. So let's say they have to pay a hundred million dollars. If they can go buy tax credits for 90 cents on a dollar, that saves them a tremendous amount of money and they have this initiative that they've fulfilled. So what happens is, is that the government issues tax credits to developers like myself that comes in the form of money so that we can build these units and there's restrictions on what you can charge. And they structure all these kind of grants and different level loans so that it's profitable for somebody like me and we provide housing for people in a certain group. So the government needs to have those initiatives. Like the state needs to have the money, the Fed needs to have the money, and the local municipalities have to unlock land and give people the opportunity to do it. Like the county and the townships own so much land, you would be shocked. And um, it. it makes no money. And they just, it just sits there. Wow. They know that. Yeah. So there's, you know, that, I knew that, but I, I've never understood of um, why. Um, is it it's at the standstill being that we are facing some form of housing crisis to a degree for affordability and that price range income range like i said the the 30 to 75 hence why people are fleeing and going to other states like georgia and all that other stuff but when people truly want to be new yorkers or whatever the places who are dealing with the same thing we are um you know my hopes are there's some form of solution to it all you know yeah, I hope so too. But it's um, it's not so much a creativity thing. It's a um, it really is a, a a regulation thing. It's a it's more of like a government thing, and uh, and, a, and a cost to build and and a cost to acquire. We're um, I sit on the board of SQ4D, the 3D printing company. So, you know, we're 3D printing these houses, which is huge, which really helps out. But again, the municipalities have to be willing to give more density, give tax credits do things like that and locally they're not because like i said before the idea of affordable housing is great but if you talk to people behind closed doors most people don't want that in their neighborhood it's a trip they don't trip. that's like the harsh reality of this so um you guys have any other questions if you do i'm happy to take them um otherwise i hope you uh got something useful out of this i just had a quick question about the market like where you operate so i know you operate mostly on long island um but is yep. there a reason that you you know that you don't go in like you know, i know you, i think you did like one queens or like i saw you did one queens deal in your vlog but is there a reason that you don't go in like queens and brooklyn i know these places are very profitable is there a reason that you don't go there well there's a couple of reasons i mean i'm set up out here so it's far like to send my guys deep into the boroughs like brooklyn brooklyn is a pain in the ass because it's far it's difficult to work in. And on Long Island, you could do business like a gentleman. Like people in the boroughs, it is freaking pandemonium. There's like dudes running around with like velour jumpsuits and bags of cash pulling contracts out of their pocket and shit, man. It is crazy town over there. Like, you know, it's just, 
it's nuts. And I, it, on Long Island, you could do business like a gentleman or like a lady, call the attorney, do it like a normal person. There's plenty of money to be made. The boroughs is just like, it, it's nuts. And I would do it if I was immersed in the boroughs, but I'm not. So like to send my guys over there to the boroughs, it's like, it's a real pain in the ass. And there's so many houses on Long Island, I couldn't buy them all if I wanted to. Got it. All right, nice. So what I'm hearing question. you say, there's opportunity for everyone. So much. Like, there's so much. Yeah, thank you. If you do the right thing and you get educated and you work, you would be like, I had like, I've had 10 opportunities to buy new deals in the last two days. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, the phone rings from whether it's TV, whether it's radio, whether it's organic searches, whether it's a network whether it's somebody who, you know, who's following me on social media and now they have an opportunity for me, whatever it is, like I do all these things consistent all the time. So to go back to your marketing, Akeem, you have to do like 40 different things consistently well all the time in order to generate business. That's really what it takes. Uh, it's not like one magic bullet that does, you know, that brings in the majority of deals. It's like, a lot of the times with marketing, like I don't even know where the money's going, but all I know is when I spend money on marketing, the phone rings. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Re you know, real talk. So listen, I wish you guys the best of luck. You're awesome. Thank, thank you for you. the questions and thank, thank you for you. taking the thanks time for out. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And you know I am, I am always here for you. All right. Thanks, thanks. Charles. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys. Good luck, everyone. Appreciate you. Bye. Right, bye. bye. Thank you guys for checking that out. Again, the text platform, there's the number. Don't miss it. Do it. It's absolutely free. You got a ton of one-on-one -on -one engagement in there. People are doing deals off of the advice I'm dropping. People are doing deals together. It is very, very cool. Thank you for watching. We'll see you on next week's podcast. <laughs>